This afternoon, we're talking about the destruction of Babylon and the restoration of God's people out of Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. The first verses 1 through 7, God declaring who He is, that He had redeemed them. It's a second creation. It's a recreation. He redeeming His people, but He has to rescue them from Babylon. He's going to destroy Babylon, the destruction of Babylon. Along with that destruction of Babylon comes all of the idols, all of the idols of Babylon. And we see that along with the destruction of those idols, still the indictment is there to his people who hadn't known him or who were not trying to know him and that those that he had called, there's a select, or there's an elect that he choosing out to bring himself and to bring to that knowledge and to restore them to where they once were because they had fallen under God's curse because of their parents, their forefathers had transgressed God. And in the beginning of God's law, he had told them, if you don't follow my statutes and continue in my word or whatever, all of these curses will fall upon you. So some of them were blessed in due to neglect the negligent teaching just as we have today. That's why I say this mirrors us today because this was a prophecy of Isaiah what would, I mean, yeah, a prophecy of Isaiah what would happen to them in Babylonia. Same thing today. There's a lot of people in this world system who've gotten rich very rich. It's a lot of God's people today that are making it, doing good, but they're forgetting God. And herein, the way it mirrors or parallels what's going on to us, this what makes it applicable to us doing our day and time. When you read that there, the first, the 27th verse, it says, Thy first father had sinned, Adam, and then the rest of them that had transgressed after he had chosen them, though. He says, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. The false prophets, those that had taught after he had established Israel and chosen them as a people. He says, therefore I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary. In other words, made them common or just like everybody else because you had the false teachers and everything. There was no separation among them. They hadn't consecrated themselves to God. They hadn't sanctified them, the people, and they hadn't been sanctified. And it says, I've given Jacob over to the curse and Israel to reproaches. So we see there about this, but we have to realize when I say the destruction of Babylon, what he had did them. But notice now also he says that he was going to bring his children back. He was going to bring his people back. They, his son, the sons and daughters was going to return unto him. So we see here if it's applicable to us, not just a coming to God geographically, but this is spiritual Israel. This is the church. And that's why I say we have to start seeing and get closer to God to be able to see that God's will is being done and God is working and that it's coming to pass as to what he said. 
Now the name Babylon in prophecy is sometimes used in a larger sense than the mere reference to the ancient city of nation of Babylon. You may hear a lot of preachers talking about, well, they was using him as a whipping boy once before Sodom was saying that he rebuilding Babylon or whatever. They talk about Israel and all these places, but Babylon, if you look at the 13th chapter, the first verse of Isaiah, Babylon was a city, but what Isaiah was using it as was to prophesy of the coming doom and destruction in which when his people did go into captivity, they would be given to uh, idols and idolatry. They would mingle with the people. They that There was no line of demarcation and separation. They became just like the Babylonians, just like today. We are melded in with the people. They call America the melting pot. Well, not only has it been a melting pot, but the religions has melded together. There are two forms which Babylon is to have in the end time. A political Babylon, Revelation 17, 8 through 17, and ecclesiastical or spiritual or church Babylon, Revelation 17, 1 through 7, verse 18, and Revelation 18, 1 to 24. That's the church. That's why I was telling you about the dangers of national Christianity and nationalizing Christianity. That's Antichrist. That's, that's, that's wickedness there. We can see that emerging. Political Babylon is the beast confederate, confederated empire, the last form of Gentile world dominion. When I say political, when we say beast, beast normally refers to a governmental system. Maybe through the United Nations or unions of nations, this political alliance come about, this government, because there is no one world government or no one right government. And inclusive of this government, there's none right, not one, not any other nation. That's why God's name, God's government is going to rise up amongst those and, 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 and dominate but the Gentile world government is coming to an end. It's, a, it's, a, it's Babylon that has fallen. And just like I say, with the insurrection of January 6th, a lot of people that had a, a spiritual life that see that was the demise of this nation. That was its base point right there. It only gets worse after then. Ecclesiastical Babylon is all apostate Christendom. In other words, the spiritual or the church is all of the church that has fallen away from the upstanding, from the rightness of, of God. It's like with your mega churches and all of the people that are not walking in holiness, that he's going to fight against the church. There's a destruction of that. It may very well be that this union will embrace all religions of the world, like the evangelicals, uh, ecumenical movement. <clears throat> where all of them are serving, saying Jesus, but it's another Jesus. They don't have to be one world organization as one unit, but all of the functioning Christianities and all of the functioning religions are serving Satan. They're being deceived. There's a little flock of God that is not, that is walking according to his words and statutes. 
Although some hold to a literal rebuilding of the city of Babylon, claiming that, you know, if you look at some of the scriptures, it's necessary to fulfill this, but I think they are in error. It's a wrong interpretation of scripture, and the evidence seems to point to a symbolic use of the name of Babylon, that it's metaphorical, and it appears to include such a restoration whereas God's people are being restored but Babylon is being destroyed in this latter view the reference to Rome compare Revelations 18 and 10 16 and 18 those verses because we're still operating a lot of our laws are Roman law in French law that we've adopted as a nation that, that that's where our beginnings are of the foundings are in those statues that offer those type governments. Ecclesiastical Babylon is the great harlot that we hear in Revelations. That's why I say when you hear of national Christianity and the people that's pumping that in the religion, the, this is the harlot. This is the harlot out of the book of Revelation 17 and 1 and is to be destroyed by a political Babylon. That's Revelation 17, chapter 5 through 8, verse. So that the beast may alone be the object of worship, that only this political system, because if you have all the crooks throw in together, what happens when a bunch of crooks get together? It says Satan's house can't stand because it's divided one against another. If you see the GOP party now, you, you see the infighting that's going on in there. Most people in there want to follow their idol and just throw all things to the wind and follow this person blindly. But there are some that's standing up. They may not be as crooked as he is, but they were crooked enough to follow him at one time. But some of them saying this is a point we can't go beyond. This is a this is a ship too far. This is too far here. But the part problem is you had given power unto that. It's like if you're in a church or an organization or whatever, by you giving your money and presence to it, you're giving power to that entity, whatever you belong. Revelation 17 and 1 says, One of the seven angels who had poured out the plagues came over and talked with me. He says, Come with me, he said, and I will show you what is going to happen to this notorious prostitute, to this harlot. Uh, who sits upon many waters of the world. The many waters is, is the people of the world. In other words, this is a religion just like the Roman Catholic Church is worldwide. It's universal. This is the Pope sitting at the... This is that church sitting at the head, the apex of all of these different people. The waters is symbolic in the revelations as a different people groups, different peoples. The Amplified reads it, it says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bows came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment and the doom of the great prostitute, hearing again, prostitute, a harlot, who is seated on many waters. That is, she's influencing many a nation. Her influence goes throughout the world. You remember, the devil deceived the whole world. Now, Revelation 17 and 17, chapter 15 through 18. Verses where I tell you where political Babylon destroys religious Babylons is where the religions have given way to this politician or whatever. 
but not knowing that this politician is not true to religion, he only adopted religion to get into power and position where he was, so he turns and destroys religion. He turns against the church or whatever. It says the oceans, the lakes, and rivers that the woman is sitting on represent masses of people of every race and nation. The scarlet animal and his ten horns, which represent the ten kings who will reign with him, all hate the woman and will attack her and leave her naked and ravaged by fire. For God will put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out his purposes. They will mutually agree to give their authority to the scarlet animal so the words of God will be fulfilled. And this woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. This is the beast Babylon. This is as if we had, as the United States is going toward it, they say a civil war or whatever. But what happens if authoritarian, as the last president we had, what happens if that authoritarian some kind of way through subterfuge and, de- and deceit do get back in power? He would unite with Russia and the other nations with Putin and some of the, and China is, is allied with Russia and we see Iran too. But when the authoritarian is going that, those people are looking at just power for themselves. So they turn against people and they try to wield the power. You remember he had a habit of saying of his military, his generals, he wielded that power and now he has the people that would attack the nation itself. We've seen this in the insurrection. We have these people that are paramilitary that would attack the nations and they wanted to attack and kidnap one of the governors. So with this allegiance, these people are doing this and this is set up and they're most people are blinded. They don't see this happening. God allowing it to happen because this is the end times where at least a third of the population would be decimated. We've seen with him as our leader or whatever, if we were under a plague, a plague doesn't bother him. He was kind of not in control at the plague or whatever because it, it's not about human life. It's about their power and Authority, but God allows these people to be destroyed and this to happen because it's part of the curse. It's all part of God's plan. Humanism rises up. Humanism is against God. It's about self. This is what... What's his name? That built Babylon? This is what Nimrod was about in building Babylon. That's why God scattered the people at Babylon and he confused their language. But now he's purging impure language. We're all coming to understand the word of God. He's giving us back that one language, the unity of the word of God. The people of God understand. And that's why I say worldwide, his kingdom is developing worldwide. But as the humanists, as the people, the authoritarians, the human beings rising up thinking they've taken power and control, it's a demise of them because it's the minority trying to rule the majority. That's when you have civil revolt. 
That's what happened in Britain and Afghanistan, uh, Great Britain and all of the other world powers. That doesn't walk. The peasants rise up. They rise up against these governments and this can't stand. Revelations 13 and 15 says, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as should not worship the image of the beast should be killed. The power of the political Babylon will be destroyed by the return of the, of the Lord. These people are anti-law. We rise up in the United States. The nation used to be a nation of rules of law, but notice that the rules of law now doesn't mean anything. You have political injustice. You have people that can take top secret documents or whatever and take them home and lay them all over the place. Hey, these folders empty. And where are the documents that belong in here? We have no rule of law throughout the nation. Injustices, social ills are rising. That's because the church have given power unto the political beast. Not knowing this political beast doesn't worship the God that they, because anybody can say that they worship Jesus, but this is another Jesus. He is himself sitting in the temple. In other words, he would be sitting at the power of God. I don't think this is just a single individual. It could be, it says he serves with 10 kings. This could be worldwide that all of these leaders are in the, what is the temple of God? It says they profane the temple of God. Isn't our body the temple of God? So these people where God has condemned sin in the flesh, these people are under a curse. They're cursed. They're turned over to a reprobate mind, believing that they're doing the truth, that they're doing the work of God. But all in all, the church has apostatized it and fallen away from God, and it is endorsing that which is wrong. That's why God calls his people out of Babylon. Uh, come out of Babylon, he tells his people. Revelations 18 and 4, he said, I heard a voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye may not be partakers of her sin, and ye receive not of her plagues. All of those that are giving that power, you sending money to this organization, you out marching with them, are you supporting this? If you are in these churches, and I was telling you about some of the mega pastors and some of these preachers out here and has risen up and saying all kinds of things. Well, you paying that fellow's car note. You're helping him deceive others. Your life, he, he's not getting you to follow God and have a family life. It's no unity of the spirit. He's advocating violence to you. He's advocating materialism to you covetousness all of these things what is your mind fixed on if you could watch a food channel all day what are your thoughts sitting on then gluttony right eating food all day whatever with all of the shoppings and everything well malls and things couldn't go or whatever because after a while even that doesn't work so the devil's tried all these things and you have them come right into your home there's QVC, there's Amazon, all of these things. It, it breeds covetousness to show you all day, 24 hours a day, shop, buy it all you want. There's two different Amazon, not, it's Trader.com, 
this thing where you buy cars just sitting at home and you can buy an automobile and they bring the automobile a delivery to you. You can sell an automobile. What is the beast world system about? Buying and selling. You must take the mark of the beast. So you must be within this system. Remember I told you Babylonia of the Laodicea is a, is a system. So this is the world system. This is capitalism. This is gain all you can get in the stock market. Trade, sell, buy. Who owns the world? Is it movie stars? Aren't they some of the wealthiest people? And that's who we worship? If you take some of the songwriters and some of the singers worth almost billions of dollars, it's three or four of them have billions of dollars. Some country... Western, rap, whatever the musical category, these are the wealthy people. You have the sports people worth billions of dollars, multi-billionaires. When this kind of influence, the dot-com stars, the internet, when there's that kind of money, their system is based on capitalism, buying and selling. They're not tent get rid of that because that has been fixed and fitted into their nature. They can't wait for the Sabbath to be over so they can buy and sell those that try to advocate not doing it on Sabbath that cover it up or whatever, but it's in their heart, it's in their minds or whatever. That's why at the end they say they're going to throw their silver and gold away or whatever because they're going to see money couldn't buy their satisfaction. I was just reading on the internet a while ago the CFO, the chief financial officer from Bed and Bath and Beyond, had sold some stock and had was accused of pump and dump the other day over $1.7 million of his personal assets. He had cheated the people out of the $1.4 billion of Bed, Bed and Bath and Beyond. They're sinking. They're selling out. They've become another Sears Roebuck, another American company going the way. Well, they found him this morning or last night. He had jumped off the top of the trifecta building in New York or whatever and killed himself. See, so this is the end times. This is what we're looking at. It says, when God separated Adam and Abraham, when God separated Abraham from his family and his country, when God separated Israel from Egypt, that sanctification was also geographical. We see in here where he says that verse 3 of the 43rd chapter, he says, For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thine ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee, since thou was precious in my sight. Remember they gave them the money and gold when they were leaving out or whatever. Even with this gold and silver, they corrupted themselves. With that same gold and silver, they made the golden calf, you know. But these people, he moved out geographical. And this is the umpteenth time, and I told you, that God is not necessarily moving us geographical, even though some may be moved geographical. But this is a spiritual establishment. This is spiritual. This is worldwide spiritual. And he had scattered his people, but now he's building them up. He's bringing back to unity. So his purpose was to establish a new community of people 
all involved in the same purpose, and that is the church. And the church, since it's universal and operates worldwide, is Catholic. In other words, they believe the Bible scripturally, and that's what they stand for. So with here within the nation, the true people of God believe the same thing the people in popular New Guinea do. The same thing that the people in the Netherlands do. The same thing of the growing and expiring church in China do. The same ones in Russia. These may not be the popular people. These may not be mega churches. It's a small flock. It's a, a refined number of people. The church is not that Lord because they're walking the narrow road. What discourages a lot of us, we're seeing the mega churches, the large churches, and say if they do any, they live in this way, this is the way we might should look, should live, and this is the way the church should go. Those people are not living by faith, they're living by sight. They're not God's people. With the church, our separation is not geographical, but spiritual. It's moral, it's ethical, while still living geographically within the same system that we were born. So living here in the United States, you develop a moral backbone. You develop a purging in doing the right thing, being ethically correct. God's taking the ones that once didn't see, he's opening up their eyes, to doing the right thing, living the right way. This is how we get strong in God. We're walking by faith. We're not looking at what everybody else looking at. So we can go on. Uh, did I say that it was evil or wicked? Uh, uh, did he say, I'm leaving them in the world, but keeping them from the evil that's in the world? Right? So I may go home this afternoon. And I seen I got a pickup stick. I broke my pickup stick. You know those little grabbers that you have? There are some things I have to order from Amazon. So we can use the world, but not abusing the world. I don't sit there and watch Amazon day and night, go to sleep watching Amazon. It's nothing wrong from ordering online or using the world. Technology is great, and God had created everything, but he saw that it was good. It's just that when we covet after, we pervert the use of those things. Are we understanding what I'm saying? So having money is not a sin. Being wealthy is not a sin. But what controls you? What is your motivating factor? What is your focus on? So that's what God was telling his people, that you had transgressed my laws. That wasn't included in what you were looking at and what kept you strong, what kept you focused. You remember I say, our focus has to be on Jesus Christ. When we focus it on Him, it's great to be blessed and acquire that wealth as Abraham, Job, and the rest of the people did. Because He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Because in the New Testament, we say, he said, you have homes and many of things that he was going to multiply. So we're not preaching a poverty-stricken people. But we're preaching that you follow God and be content with such that he's given you and not covet half of these things. That you don't cheat and steal to do these things. That you have to operate within his system. 
We must be separated from the way, from the manner, and from the lifestyle, and from the attitudes of the system that we were born into and moved, motivated to make God's way, His manner, and His system, and His attitudes ours. Within that, we have to start having the mind of Christ within the system where we live in, this matrix where we were born at, we have to become the dominating factor, the ones that's walking in the way of God. And God's going to move the evildoer. God's going to bring his kingdom to the earth. God's going to rearrange these things. But we shouldn't let this, what can I say, uh, let it dominate us or let it cause us any irritation. We must be in the world and we have to conduct business in the world. Paul said in the book of Corinthians, we couldn't go out of the world. We have to have associations in the world. We have to do business in the world. But we have to watch close ties and close relationships that we're not in business with a scoundrel or someone who doesn't have any moral values. We have to separate from those kind of things. Now, this is the way we come out of Babylon is that we uphold a standard. Like I was telling you about Solomon says, it's better to dwell on a rooftop than the house with a brawling woman. Paul taught that you have to stay with your spouse at all, let me not say all costs, but as much as possible that lieth in you. So it's not that divorce because God hated divorce, but if, if you have to separate, you can separate. But the only way divorce comes is that somebody commit adultery. So you have to live a strange, it's okay to live a strange from one another. But then when sexual, sexuality comes in it, we're not transgressing God because it's only, sex is only sacred within marriage. So you're profaning it if you separate it and now you have a partner or something. You got a problem then. Abraham and Israel literally moved geographical. And I said, he desires a spiritual and a moral, ethical, and an attitudinal. What's your attitude? What's your disposition? That's what he's trying to do. Change your mind. Like I tell you, this is an angry world. This is a world that's very divisive. It's very competitive. But we must be in the world, but not developing the same attitudes and dispositions of the world. We should be regenerating. We can't walk the way we once walked. When we were in darkness, we we have to crucify that old man. We have to put him to death. We are called to be different. We, we, We have to be different with the friends and the people we're around. The concept of God separating and making holy and establishing a new community is not lost now because we're still in the world and he has to do this, but he's not calling us to develop a monastery as a lot of the schools and a lot of the religions are doing, building their own little schools. This is a Catholic school. This is a private school. This is a charter school. It makes for a stronger children and a stronger unity if they was in the world and able to overcome the world and not separate out of the world. So you can see and experience the same thing, but God gives you the power to overcome those things. 
you don't become ascetic and just go off into the wilderness and abide by yourself. How you will witness to people, how people will see you living your life. Notice that Jesus loved sinners and he was always consistently around sinners and applying his trade to sinners, preaching the gospel of sinners. Now, it may not change you. They might not listen to you. But he didn't say buddy up with them and compromise and tolerate them. He said, if they don't listen, wipe the dust from your feet and go on and preach it in the teaching. Don't let them change you, though. You have to endure hardness. You have to keep on because you're the standard bearer. So your words either convert or they convict them, but you can't compromise and tolerate. The community aspect is merely reserved until the later time. In other words, there will be a day when his kingdom finally comes to the earth and he's going to remove all of the evildoers. That's why he says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. But you have to put up with him until that time. Right. Some of your own relatives will be moved. Some of the communities and things, the way they are, that's what gives us hope because we know one day all of the kingdoms will be as the kingdoms of God. It'll be no more wrong and evil doers. All these old things are what? Passing away. He's creating. He's recreating. He's making a new earth and a new heaven. He's making all things new. That's what God is doing. We're not doing it. We just walk in therein. We just tools. We just uh, uh, God's people, his chosen people, believing and trusting in him. And whatever comes, we accept it because God's justice is going to prevail in the earth. And his judgments go fall on Babylon. That's why we have to realize, as Israel and Jacob did, we can't do those things because that judgment falls on us also. God chases his children. He's not going to let us off as, oh, you my son, you could do that. No, he might save you, but you're going to, punish, you're going to be punished. David was forever, the, thorn, the, the sword never left his house. Think how broken a man he felt when his son raped his daughter. How broken he was when his son killed the other son. All of these things coming into our life. So whatever's coming into your life, maybe you open a portal, you open that door to come in to where now God's chastening with you that now you will be saved but as by fire in other words through the judgment of God you may lose all of these things that you thought you were going to gain because of the deeds of the flesh that's why you have to lay aside the things of this world and start laying up treasure in earth I mean in heaven because these things will be moth-eaten and corrupted you invested all your money in that church. You invested all your money in that preacher. Uh, and that That's your God. That's what your idol. That's what you were serving. But you were a child of God. Now when you come home to the Father, the Father's going to accept you, but you like the prodigal son. You wasted your inheritance now. Your brother, you could serve your brother. You could serve these others because... You gave that jackleg your money. You gave that false prophet your money. You were being warned. You were consistently being warned. You don't have another. All, all. The, what did the father say? All I have belongs to your brother. I don't have. He didn't have anything because it was doled out to whom it was given to. That was the reward. You got your inheritance. Now you may be saved, but you will lose your reward. 
See, a lot of times we say God's forgiving, God's forgiving. He is forgiving, but He's a just God, and justice will be served. And we need to remember that. Under the new community, the kingdom is the kingdom of God, so there'll be no killing, there's no harm. The, the sheep was going to lay down with the lion. So it won't be killing, it won't be hostility and violence. So if that's in you, it, that has to be purged out or you won't go in. That's why I was talking yesterday, the fearful wouldn't go in. The cowardly, because you have to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. So you have to stand for God, be steadfast and immovable. And then God brings you in to where you don't have nothing else to fear. You don't fear death because you didn't fear death in that life. That's the judgment in the real world that you gave. You lost your life, so now you've gained your life back and all of these other things because you've proven yourself to God. It is a goal we are moving toward as he prepares us and has set apart people to enter the new community. But it's not us. It's not us being impartial to other people and separating ourselves. God brings these things about. So that's that's the motivation. So where are we headed? To the kingdom of God. Where is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is among us. It's right here within us. So we don't have to go anywhere. The kingdom is right here. Those that's preaching, <coughs> I go away and prepare a place for you. That place is right here. A new heaven is new earth right here. So don't think you're going to get raptured or snatched out of here. You could do all that crooked work and evil and preach all that corrupted doctrine and all that. You could get raptured out of here. But but now you could preach violence and do all these things to other people and all kinds of moral and unethical things that you go into some new home. No, the kingdom of heaven is right here among us. His will is being done on this earth. Thy kingdom is coming to this earth. We'll inherit the earth. Didn't he say we're going to inherit it? We stay right here, but we still come out of Babylon in a spiritual sense. We're still sanctified by a change of attitude, of practice, and of conduct. Instead of immoral, we become moral. All of the things I used to do, I don't drink anymore. You're not an alcoholic, you know. I, I I was right here. I didn't go anywhere. This guy knew me for years. He knew me for a long time. Every time he would see my wife or see me, with the old boy, and he doing anything to say, she would say, Kenny, he doesn't do that anymore. I'd say, look, Kenny, you disrespected me, my wife, and everything, my God and everything, because I've consistently told you. Now, as a friend, I love you. We grew up together and everything, and I'm not speaking ill of you, and I always speak to you, and I come by you. The woman you got, she don't love you, she wouldn't have tried to kill you. You have to change your life. I've changed my life. I've buried that old man. Don't ask me to dig him up and sit here with you and do drugs or drink or do anything. This is a new me. Quit asking. Every time you come back for that old man, he's dead. I don't do it anymore. And they think it's strange that you don't run with them to the same thing. Say, man, why don't you come over and watch the game? I'm not going to sit there four or five hours or ten hours with you watching two or three games. I don't get any pleasure out of that. Now, I'm not going to condemn you for doing that. Is that what you do or whatever? 
I sit to, with my wife and, and watch TV. But it's more pleasurable than that. I don't need a man cave or nowhere to go hide off. That man is dead. That's what I used to walk in. So why do he keep coming to me, asking me to rob the grave and pull up this old man to sit there and do what he want to do? I, I don't belong to myself. This is not my body. I'm, I have another master now. God is my master. I'm a bond servant. I can't do it. Instead of being unethical, we become ethical. That's why I tell you the Republican Party was breaking up because it's a lot of them say, well, we Republican. Uh, and they call them rhinos, so you're in name only. But see, because you got labels and names mixed up, you thought being a Democrat or Republican made you a certain person because you say you're a Christian or you say you love Jesus. That's what your mouth is saying. You see what I'm saying? So, because of your ethics, you fought against the rule of law, you fought the Constitution or whatever. You may be in the party, but God has to judge everybody in that party. Now, I'm not a part of you. A lot of people left the Republican Party. A lot of them are still in fighting for the Republican Party, but they hadn't gone anywhere. So we in the nation, we love the nation, we pray for the nation, we stand for the nation, but our allegiance is to God. What is ethical and that which is right. So we don't have to elect politicians and things because they are Christians and they belong to this church and that church. Whatever happened to Jeff Sessions, he became so corrupt and his church kind of disavowed him because of the unethical ways he was doing, but he believed in the rule of law, so he had to resign as Trump's attorney general because he didn't... He excluded himself for the Russian probe or whatever. Now Trump and Bill Barr, his other attorney general, are going after it because Bill Barr says, okay, I did all this for Trump, but no, I have to stand for the rule of law because I have to believe in something that I've been believing in all my life. If my relatives, everybody see me advocating this, and now you come along, you change this, what do I believe in? Can I be bought? Don't I have to believe in you? You have to be my idol because anything you say do, I have to do it or else I'm your enemy. It, that's, a terrible, that's a terrible master to serve. That's a horrible master to serve. There's only one true and living God that never changes. If you serve God and you stand for what's right, you don't have to worry about man. You no longer fear man. What man thinks about you is little to you at all. What does God think? Does God still call me my son? Is he, is, am I doing right according to the word of God? Instead of being spiritually anti-God as Satan is, we become spiritually, spiritual in the way God is spiritual because that's the essence of who we are. Not that the commandments are grievous unto us. This is what I want to do. I want to do right. I don't need to smoke anything to feel good. I feel good. I don't need to drink anything to, to, to imbibe me and to get me all discombobulated. I'm high on the Spirit. It says get drunk with the Spirit. Be continually filled with the Spirit. They were so drunk, they say, is those people drunk this time of morning? 
Peter said they're not drunk like you think they are. It's the Spirit that has them that way. That is how we come out of Babylon. Now, we are set apart for that purpose. At this time, geography has little to do with it. It's hearing God's Word. Uh, John 18th chapter, the 35th through the 37th verse, Pilate answered and says, I am, am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered you unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom, not from hence, Pilate therefore said unto him, Are thou king then? Since you say your kingdom, he said, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest I'm a king. To this end was I born. He gave up when he was born. He was king, right? This end was I born, he said. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Why are we in the world? Didn't he say keep us in the world? Shouldn't we be bearing witness to the truth and not be moved by anybody else and anything else? He says, walk as I walk. Follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. He says, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Christ gives two clear distinctions about himself in these verses. First, he says that he was not really a part of the Jewish nation. And further, not really of this world. You know, it's a, a lot of people say, oh, he's a black guy. He's representing this. Serena's retiring or whatever. I notice a lot of people that make it or whatever, they're not trying to say of their race. They're trying to say of who I am. You notice she don't use the race card as others do? Notice Barack Obama, he had different people, so he wasn't saying, okay, this is a black doing this, or you doing this because they're black. No, he's fighting the entity as he is. That's what he was born to do. That's who he was. So when the black people accuse him this or the white people accuse him this, no, I'm a child of God. I have a purpose in life. I'm a tennis player. I'm a president. I'm this or whatever. What had God called you to do? That's what you do. When they ask who had given you this authority, and Jesus said, tell me this, John, was he sent by God? They didn't answer him because they feared God. And Jesus said, well, I don't tell you. You know, sometimes don't let people get you off course. Do what God gave you to do. What he had given you to do. That's what you believe. That's what you have faith in. Your parents might raise you to do this or do that. After a while, I keep telling you about Valerian Smith or whatever. His heart wasn't in being a dentist or a doctor. That's what his parents wanted. He was a musician. He excelled in the musical field. He was a noted musician. And that's where his heart was. That's what his comfort was. So you have to do that with your children. Let them follow God. Teach them to follow God. Do what God had given you to be. Second, he says, that if his kingdom were of this world, his servants would fight for him. Now for, from that implication is that because, not, because they are not of this world, they do not go to war his, in his kingdom, and his kingdom is not presently established on the earth. So that's what I tell you. If this is not God's world, and we're talking 
cosmos. Why should we get entangled in the affairs of this world? A good soldier don't get entangled in the affairs of this world. So I'm not going to go in and rush the state capital or have some insurrection because as this world fall, this is not God's. This Satan is the God of this world. It has to divide. So as these kingdoms fall, we know that God's kingdom is being established. That's why we don't. That's why a lot of people, uh, Muhammad Ali was a conscientious objector. You don't get entangled in wars. Uh, it's something toward the end here in Proverbs 4 and 17 through 18. A popular question during the Vietnam War was, what if they threw a war and nobody came? If they had a war and nobody came, this illustrates that we, that we condone and lend support to activities when we attend. If you go to the American Idol and sit there, you part of that crowd. If in that church, that's why it says come out from among them so you won't receive of their plagues. You can't be with those that are doing these things. If everyone obeyed God by refusing to keep pagan holidays, I, I'm not telling you not to do it or whatever, but I don't do it. What if everybody said, well, that's paganism. I'm not going to do it or whatever. That's wrong. I'm not going to do it. One of Satan's ploys is to obscure God's plans for mankind would be thwarted because now you've seen that I'm not going to participate in that. That's what God was telling his people. The Bible is very clear that we should avoid, flee, or turn away from the ways of this world and beware their entry into the church. The church, the world is coming into the church. They're bringing all kinds of Trojan horses in. They're Super Bowl-interrated. Now, if you notice, all of the churches carry Super Bowl, and it's about the sports. So when the Super Bowl comes in and they have the Super Bowl, well, now you know that they can sit right there in that church and bet and gamble on their phone inside the church watching that Super Bowl. You can gamble in the church watching the Super Bowl. He says, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, proud, boasters, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, trady, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. So we see some of the consequences of getting entangled in this present world. This present world is with a vivid example of us and them. We have to be holy. We have to be set apart. It's not, we're not of this world. We're in the world, but not of the world. The basis of this is a Christian loyalty elsewhere. Elsewhere. What are we here? Ambassadors? We're ambassadors of Christ. <clears throat> You're here. A lot of older Christians, they'll say, this world is not my home. This is not my home. And when you hear a funeral, they say he went on home to glory. He went home now. He, he's at home. 
a true Christian side with the Spirit, while merely the professing Christian sides with the world, claiming to know God and to worship God, but by works he's denying God by your very actions. What are you doing in everything? We can see that you're only a professing Christian. You have a profession, but you're not literally living what you say. You honor him with your mouth, but your actions betray you. God has given us clear command to come out of this world. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Revelations 18 and 4. And he clarifies it with such examples as this. In Philippians 3.20, he says, Through the Apostle Paul, that our citizenship is in heaven. Where? In heaven. And anyone familiar with the Bible ought to understand the legal ramifications of that. That's why if you're from another country, you don't have citizenship here in the United States. So you go to their embassy. An embassy is a small place within another country that's sovereign ground that that government of that nation if you notice somebody do something wrong they head to the embassy that 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 country has in that nation they hold up in that embassy well out this is the temple of god the church is the embassy of god and we within that but it's a spiritual embassy you understand what i'm saying that's why I say I will body. You don't want him profaning in anybody that profane the temple of God. And profane. So he gave us a physical, a literal with the body. And he gave us a literal with the actual temple because he says, not a stone shall be left upon the stone. Your house is left unto you desolate. So as they destroyed the Jerusalem temple, remember they had church houses in other words, houses and people, churches, because they were smaller communities. They can use a, a synagogue or a home or something. God has given us these clear examples. Uh, he says, and anyone familiar with the Bible ought to understand these things. Not only that, understand that his kingdom is here only in spirit. It is not fully established as part of the earthly system. So he told his disciples, the kingdom of God is within you. It's right here among you. The suggestion in verse 37 then is that when it is fully established, if it were challenged, Christ's servants, true Christians, would go to war on his behalf if this was the true kingdom of God. Because you remember Michael and the angels fought with Satan and they cast Satan out and as they were fighting and Daniel was praying, the angels was doing battle and with the king prince of Persia, and that's what tied them up from coming. So it is warfare going, and we have to what? Wrestle not with flesh and blood. It is spiritual warfare. We're wrestling against powers and principalities. That's because they're trying to gain back the lost territory of the ground that they had lost in this battle. So we have to be conscientious of that, that they come to you in the flesh, but it's a spirit in that body that may be servant. You don't know who's possessing that person. You don't know what have gotten hold to them or what they're speaking. That's why we have a certain discernment of spirit. That's why I say we have to increase in faith and the knowledge of God and understanding, and we have to be circumspective of all these things. 
Now, because our Lord is in our orientation, that which the true Christian sides with are always with the kingdom of God. You deny either father, mother, brother, sister, or your own self. When you're wrong or whatever, he says, when I attempt to do good, evil is right there. So sometimes you have to have that condemnatory attitude or disposition towards self and put self to death. You have to mortify the deeds of the body. Sometimes you have to turn your eyes away. Job said he had made a covenant with his eyes that he would not look to lust after a woman. Just think if David would have followed that rule and he hadn't turned and noticed Bathsheba, if he'd have turned away, beautiful a woman she was or whatever, if he'd have just accepted that and turned away. You have to be able to mortify. You can't, when lust is conceived. So there it was, but what he followed uh, acted upon that impulse. And I told you, there are many of thoughts that come into our mind, but New Testament says, bringing every thought into the obedience and captivity of, of Jesus Christ. So just because something enter your mind doesn't mean that you entertain it. Don't entertain it. Don't give place to the devil. Don't go get him a chair and say, you sit down here and do it. <laughs> get him out of there. Turn away. Joseph ran when Potiphar's wife told her to come. He said, I can't do this and sin against God. Sometimes you have to flee. You can't just stay in the same vicinity with wickedness and evil. We will always rally to the things of the Spirit. And this... I don't know if I can get there or not. Uh, about the Christian in the world, Second Corinthians, about being unequally yoked. I'm not going to go there. We'll hold that to Wednesday. And we ask God to help us to understand this portion that we went over and the strength of us in it. Heavenly Father, help your word.